From Astoria to the Rockaways, it's time for the Queen's New Yorker. And here is the man giving you all the info, your uber snazzy and jazzy host, Mr. Jason Gacaneo! Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jason Kelly. Thank you watch. Oh, what a group. Oh, thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Oh. Love that round of applause. And the great welcome. Thank you very much. And welcome once again to the Queens of New Yorker. I'm your host, Jason Acanio, and it is episode 221. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you on this Tuesday, February 14, 2023. Today we're looking at as we continue our series on the radio stations of New York City and the five boroughs. Today we're looking at the history of 1560 WFME FME Radio. AM on your radio dial. That's right. Radio dial AM radio today. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and also, too. Also, too. Also, too. Wait a minute. We didn't get that. 5,016 listens. Over 5,000 for the first time today. Yes. We finally got over the 5,000 mark. Now that deserves a round of applause. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're ready to go. And uh, we're looking at this AM station that's uh, pretty much been around for quite some time. And it's a non-commercial, educational, religious formatted AM radio station licensed to New York, broadcasting at 1,000 watts under a special temporary authority. That's an STA. The station is owned and operated by Family Radio, a Christian radio ministry based in Nashville, Tennessee. On February 15, 2021, at 11.16 a.m., WFME went temporarily silent following the sale of the station's Maspeth Queens transmitter site by Family Radio for future development. Then on October 26th of the same year, the station returned to the air from a new tower site operating at 1,000 watts under an STA. May 27th of last year, the station was granted a license for a term expiring on June 1st, 2030. This is to be replaced by a request for a return to a 50KW operation. WFME began operations as W2XR, an experimental television station owned by inventor John V. L. Hogan, operating at 2100 kHz, which went on the air on March 26th of 1929. Hogan was a radio engineer who owned many patents and wanted a permit for an experimental station. 
To avoid interference, the frequency granted in 1934 by the Federal Radio Commission was considerably above the normal broadcasting range, which at that time ended at 1,500 kilocycles. Hogan's permit was one of four construction permits. The others all granted on the same day were W1XBS, Waterbury, and W9XBY, Kansas City, both on the 1530 kHz, and W6XAI, Bakersfield, which shared 1550 kHz with W2XR. Now, W2XR was licensed as an experimental broadcast station on June 29th, 1934. But Hogan was also a connoisseur of music, and he drew on his own record collection to provide the sound for his experiments, which typically lasted for an hour in the evening. Now, W2XR began to broadcast classical music recordings on 1550, and his television broadcast came to naught. But Hogan began to hear from unknown individuals who encouraged him to continue broadcasting music. In 1936, Hogan and Elliot Sanger formed the Interstate Broadcasting Company with the intention of turning W2XR into a commercial station at a time when they were already about 25 radio stations in New York. Now, the transmitter, which used a homemade antenna mounted on a wooden pole, was located in a garage in Long Island City near the Queensboro Bridge. And its 250 watts provided just enough power to reach Midtown Manhattan and parts of Queens. On December 3rd, 1936, W2XR become, became WQXR since the cursive form of the letter Q mimics the number 2. An FM service, W2XQR, was added in 1939. And then the North American Regional Broadcasting Agreement of 1941 formally extended the AM band to 1600 KHZ, ending the high-fidelity service, but keeping all four original stations near the, their existing frequencies. WQXR was originally slated to move to 1600 as a 5-kilowatt Class 3A regional station, but was able to persuade the FCC to make it a Class IB station on 1560 KHZ instead. The New York Post approached the company in the early 1940s about purchasing the stations. Sanger said publicly that he would have preferred to sell it to the New York Times. And in early 1944, the Times agreed to pay just over $1 million for ownership of Interstate Broadcasting Company. A transfer application was filed with the FCC on March 1st of 44, including a financial statement showing that the stations had made over $22,000 in profits the previous year on revenues of $411,000. After FCC approval, the sale was completed on July 25th of 1944. The Times continued to operate its radio stations under the interstate broadcasting name for many years, maintaining what its president called basic good music policies, but later used the name the New York Times Radio Company. It broadcast classical music full-time, along with New York Times News, and at 9 p.m., the newspaper having been put to bed, the station would broadcast a brief discussion of the news which would appear on the front page of the next day's issue. 
Now, WQXR was the first AM station in New York to experiment with broadcasting in stereo beginning in 1952. And during some of its live concerts, it used two microphones positioned six feet apart. The microphone on the right led to its AM feed, and the one on its left to its FM feed. So a listener could position two radios six feet apart, one tuned to 1560 and the other to 96.3, and listen in stereo. Now, in 1964, there was a controversy when its 11 p.m. program, Nightcap, was sponsored by Schlenley Liquors. Advertising hard liquor was considered a violation of the voluntary NAB standards. In 1965, the FCC began requiring commonly owned AM and FM stations in large markets to broadcast separate programming for at least part of the day. WQXR-FM concentrated on longer classical works, while QXR-AM aired lighter classical music and talk programs produced in conjunction with New York Times. While this plan gave classical music fans in the New York area two options, it also increased expenses for the station. In 1971, the Times put WQXR-AM-FM up for sale. Many offers were received for the FM station, but none of the bids for the 1560 AM were satisfactory to management. And when the FCC agreed to waive rules prohibiting stations from simulcasting if they were broadcasting classical music, the Times took the WQXR stations off the market. Simulcasting was also allowed, for example, for WGMS and WGMS-FM in Washington. December 2nd, 1992, the AM side broke away from the simulcast for good, changing to an American popular standards format, which was inaugurated by a live studio performance by Tony Bennett. The change came a few months after WNEW 1130, New York's Heritage Popular Standards Nation or Station, announced an impending sale to Bloomberg LP and a format switch to business information with the new call letters WBBR. The format change at 1560 to standards happened 10 days before WNEW's transition. To reflect the heritage of both outlets, WQXR AM changed its call sign to WQEW, and the station focused on a broad range of pop standards, the format's foundation artists including Frank Sinatra, Nat King Cole, Ella Fitzgerald, Dean Martin and Perry Como, but also artists from the big band era such as Tommy Dorsey, Artie Shaw, Glenn Miller, Louis Armstrong, and Duke Ellington, and non-rock and roll pop hits by artists like Neil Diamond, Barbara Streisand, Ray, Ray Charles, Bobby Darin, and Pat Boone, among others. Light rock and roll material such as the Turtles was occasionally also heard. Although initially successful, the station's advertising revenues were not spectacular, and older audience demographics were deemed undesirable for long-term success. Then on December 3rd, 1998, the Times announced that WQEW would switch to Radio Disney after agreeing to what was initially an eight-year local marketing agreement term with the Walt Disney Company and its ABC Radio subsidiary. The entire WQEW air staff, under orders to not discuss the pending changes on the air, was released on December 21st. The station played Christmas music without announcers through the holiday, 
Regular programming resumed on December 26th and ended on December 27th at 11.59 p.m. when a pre-recorded sign-off read by program director and air personality Stan Martin was played. Radio Disney programming launched on WQEW on December 28th, 1998. At the end of the agreement with the Times in late 2006, Disney had the option to purchase the station or to extend the arrangement with the Times maintaining ownership. Disney exercised the option to purchase in early January of 2007. Disney ABC officially became the owner of the station on May 24, 2007. On August 13th of 2014, Disney announced its intention to end terrestrial distribution of the Radio Disney format in order to focus on digital distribution. Disney would also sell its remaining Radio Disney broadcast outlets, including WQEW, and with the lone exception of KDIS in Los Angeles. Disney set a deadline of September 26, 2014, to complete the sales or have deals in principle set or the stations in question, including WQEW, would fall silent. However, Disney backtracked and the stations would remain on the air, continuing to broadcast Radio Disney programming until each were sold. Then on November 21st, 2014, then Oakland, California-based Family Stations announced it would purchase WQEW from Disney ABC for twelve dollars and or twelve let's see twelve point nine five million. The transaction had been rumored for at least a month, as it was originally reported by the New York Daily News on October fourteenth, twenty fourteen. However, Disney had clarified that it had not yet agreed to the sale. In January of twenty thirteen, Family Radio sold the original Newark, New Jersey licensed WFME. 94.7, which it had owned since 1966, but had been programming since 1963. The Cumulus Media, who converted the station into country music formatted WNSH. In what amounted to a station trade plus cash transaction, Family Stations also acquired the license for WDVY 106.3 FM in Mount Kisco, New York, the 106.3 FM signal combined in tandem with family radio-owned WFRH 91.7 in Kingston, New York, which mainly serves the Hudson Valley region, and another family radio outlet, WFRS 88.9 in Smithtown, New York, serves Long Island. This left family radio programming unavailable over the air in New York City proper and northern New Jersey, including Newark, for over two years. After the FCC approved the sale on February 10, 2015, 1560 AM went silent on February 17th in preparation of the format change. The sale was finalized on February 20th and the call sign was changed to WFME. The station returned to the air on February 27th, again giving Family Radio full coverage of the New York City market. Concurrent with the sale, the FCC converted 1560's AM broadcast license status from commercial to non-commercial educational. And since the initial move from 94.7 in 2013, WFME's originating role with the Family Radio Network has been reduced. 
The station previously originated a portion of the network's overnight program, Night Watch, which was hosted by now-retired station manager and chief engineer, Charlie Menu. The entirety of the station's schedule originates from Family Radio Headquarters, which in now, which in 2016 moved from Oakland to nearby Alameda, California, although WFME does carry local programming to comply with the FCC's public affairs requirements. In late November 2020, Family Radio announced the sale of the properties surrounding WMFME's broadcast towers in Queens, but stipulated that the terms included that Family Radio would still use this site until a suitable alternate, alternate location for the station was found. However, no alternate site proved to be immediately available. Therefore, WFME in early 2021 and did regular programming and began broadcasting a recurring announcement that the station would suspend operations in just a few days. And although family radio officials expressed a desire to eventually return to the New York airwaves, they noted that there were no immediate plans. Listeners were directed to access either WFRS in Smithtown and WFME-FM in Mount Kisco, in addition to the family radio web stream. In much of central and southern New Jersey, family radio programming can also be heard on WKDN 950 in Philadelphia. And on October 26, 2021, the station returned to air from a new site in West Orange, New Jersey, running at 1,000 watts under an STA. And there you have it. The interesting history of 1560 WFME AM on the radio dial. So we looked at WFME, and uh, we are scrolling. We're, we're continuing our scroll down look and see what we're going to be coming up to next on Thursday's edition, which will be episode 222. Episode 222. <laughs> two. Two, 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 two. Yep. <laughs> so let's see. Did that one? Okay. So. The next one will be 90.7 WFUV. <laughs> the non-commercial radio station owned by Fordham University. And uh, basically has a Bronx campus and its antenna atop nearby Montefiore Medical Center. Went on the air in 1947, became a professional public radio station in 1990, and is one of three NPR member stations in New York City. So we'll look at WFUV 90.7 this coming Thursday on episode 222 of the Queen's New Yorker. I'm Jason DiCanio, thanking you for 
your continued support of the show, thanking you for over 5,000 listens, thanking you for 3,000 views on the YouTube channel, The Legacy of Queens, and for all your continued support as we continue our look at Queens, history, and all the good stuff that goes with it. We thank you very much for your continued support. We'll see you on Thursday. Remember, be honest, be real, and keep it simple, stupid kiss. Have a great night, and we will see you Thursday. Bye for now. You have been watching The Queen's New Yorker. This is Jason Kelly on a Jason DeCanio internet presentation. Thank you for your support.